Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for tonight and this beautiful day that you've given us. Lord, as we're continuing in this, uh, guide and direct us to be able to do what you would have us learn and be able to communicate with that with others through it. Um, help us to understand your word and have a, a more solid foundation in it. Lord, guide and direct our conversation as we do this so that in all things you were glorified. Um, we ask all this in your son's name. Amen. All right. So tonight, you're late. You missed the, the prayer. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. So tonight, uh, I don't know how far we'll get. We might even finish this second. We'll see. So now, in that original video, he had brought up circumcision. Okay. Now, <laughs> um, now, usually, uh, I would suggest not getting into the, the minutia of if someone were to bring up, you know, circumcision or something like that uh, in, a, in an apologetic talk that you're having with someone in the conversation, getting into the minutia of circumcision and all these things is probably a, a fruitless endeavor. It's, you know, mm -hmm. taking all these rabbit trails that you don't need. But since what we're doing here is not that, what we're doing is we're actually deconstructing what he says, we're going to follow the rabbit trails, okay? So that we have a better understanding of what uh, Scripture says. So, this is what Zechariah Knight said, so I'm going to read that. He says, If you read the Bible, he, Jesus, was circumcised on the eighth day, fine. And he's asking, that's a question, right? Um, majority of all Muslims are circumcised, the Christians aren't. So if you mean a Christian is a person who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, then it's mentioned in the book of Leviticus, chapter number 11, verse 7 through 8. It's mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 41, verses number 8. Uh, verse number 8, you should not have pork. It is mentioned in Isaiah, chapter number 65, verse 2 through 5, you should not have pork. Muslims don't have pork. Uh, most of the Christians have pork. If you read the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse number 18, and the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse number 1, you should not have alcohol. Muslims as a whole do not have alcohol. Most of the Christians have alcohol. If you say Christian means a person who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, we Muslims are more Christian than the Christians themselves. Okay? So, now he's given a lot of information there, right? right. A lot of information, a lot of verses and everything. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through all of that. Because one of the big things, and this is a, a common... Um, uh, sleight of hand that people do is they'll just they're in a position of authority and so they'll just speak this is what it there is this is what there is and people will just believe them um, in fact there is a uh, guy by the name of um, Aaron and so he is a YouTube uh, atheist and in one of his videos he's talking and then he says and all these other verses and then he puts up all the verses Right? He never, he just assumes that all those verses agree with him. But if you start actually going through those verses, they not, they're just random verses they seem like that he just throws up there. And so, but for those that are watching him, oh, look at all those verses. Right? And so let's, so let's go through all of this. So Leviticus 7, 7 through 8 says, and the swine, because it's part, it parts the hoof and is cloven-footed, but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you, 
For their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. Okay? So that talks about pork. Okay? Okay. So next, Deuteronomy 41, 8. Whoops. There are only 34. There are only 34. Yeah. <laughs> There's a problem here. He just made up almost 10 chapters. Okay. What he means is that 14 8. Now, he might have got that wrong, so give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, but there are no, four, there is no 41st chapter in Deuteronomy, so he probably means 14.8 and the swine because it's part, it parts a hoof, but does not chew the cud is unclean for you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. Okay, so maybe you got it wrong. Okay. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he was, he meant 41, but he, said, uh, he meant 14, but he said 41. It's just a switch of the numbers. People do that. Okay. What? We hope. Yeah, we will. You might be yeah. dyslexic. Yeah. There's that table. Um, yeah. well, we'll see. Uh, so in Isaiah 62, 2 through 5, it says, I spread my hands all the day uh, to rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, the people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and burning incense upon bricks, uh, who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things in their life, in their vessels, who say, keep it, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am set apart from you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day. Okay, so there's another um, swine one, another pork reference, okay. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, and do not get drunk with wine for the, as a botry, but be filled with the spirit. Okay, so he's talking about alcohol, and we're in that um, quote, he was talking about alcohol. So here's an alcoholic verse. Okay, Proverbs 21. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Okay, so there's another alcoholic reference. Um, so here's the problem though. He said he brings what's the first thing he brings up? Circumcision. Circumcision. He never gives a passage about circumcision. Why? Because there isn't one. Because there isn't one. Okay. Here's Romans. It says, For he is not a real Jew who is one outwardly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and real circumcision is a matter of the heart, spiritual and not literal. His praise is not from men, but from God. So the actual teaching of Christianity is that circumcision is not a requirement for Christianity. But what he did was, he said... You know, you're supposed to be circumcised. Us Muslims are circumcised, and then and then he goes from there. He has no scriptural basis for it, but then he goes into something he he can't prove, right? Because he we saw those verses that say pork don't eat pork, right? So even though we're not, we'll get to that part. But just at the outset, right? He says Christians basically have to be circumcised, but the reality is, no, no. And okay, my my question, my thought was, he's, you know, for for the maybe maybe I should just shush, maybe we'll get to it. Oh, <laughs> well, okay, because um, in Old Testament times, 
the Jews, the, the Jewish religion, the Jews had specific things that God told them, you know, not to not to eat organs or so that to separate them, to give them more of a way to have a relationship with God. Right, so it's a set apartness. It's set apart, yeah. so they were different than the idol worshippers and, and mm -hmm. the other people, so that God, you know, through Moses and so forth, gave, gave them different rules and, and laws mm -hmm. so that they would have the relationship with God. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, as we walk through this, um, that is a, a major part of it, that there is this distinction between Old Testament law, and there's basically three parts to that law, um, and then the New Testament, so the Old Covenant of the Old Testament, the Mosaic Covenant, and then you have the, the New Covenant um, through, the, through Christ. So, the, um, so, yeah, so that is a, a part of it. But all we're doing right now is just walking through what he's saying, and then we'll, we will get to that. Okay. Um, so Galatians, this is another circumcision one. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. So again, circumcision, that is not a thing. And so can, can you be circumcised and be a Christian? Yes. 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 Can you be uncircumcised and be a Christian? Yes. yes. Yes, because it's not about the outward appearance. It is about an inward uh, faith, right? Do those Muslims have some um, rule that says they have to be circumcised? He said that most yeah. of them were circumcised. Yeah. So they do? Yeah, they, they oh, okay. usually are circumcised. Okay. Yeah. That, that's in their Quran? Uh, I don't know if it's in their Quran. Or they use it. But they, they tap into a lot of Old Testament things. So, and the idea of the law is very heavy. So, but yeah, it is required. Uh, here's another one, Philippians, and then there, here's one more. So Philippians 3.3 says, For we are, we are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And then Colossians 2.11 says, In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh and the circumcision of Christ. Okay. And notice, we're still using the RSV. Okay? So we're still using that thing, and this is what it's saying. Okay? So there is no wiggle room here. This is, it says this, and it, this is true stuff. So, so why doesn't he read these scriptures in this? Exactly. Well, the reason is because they don't work. Right? So let's, so let's talk about the pork and alcohol for Christians. Okay, so pork. So this comes from Acts. Uh, Acts 10, 9 through 16. This is Peter having a vision. Okay. And it says, The next day as they were on their journey and coming near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became hungry and desired something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heaven and saw the heaven open and something descending like a great sheet let down by four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to, to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is, or is common or unclean. Okay, so stop right there. So this is the Mosaic law. So Peter is a good Jew. Okay, so he is following the law. Okay, and he, when this voice comes, he 
voice comes, he stands against it, right? No, I'm a good Jew. I don't eat anything that is unclean, right, or common, okay? And the voice came to him again a second, again a second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken out once to heaven. So right here, you have a, a, a revelation um, of God, right? That, and this is put into the context of two things. So we talk about double prophecies. Um, we talked a little bit about that with um, the virgin birth, that prophecy. This is a double revelation uh, where we have, it's, it's both of food and of the Gentiles because in the context, we're at the Gentiles. The Gentiles are about to receive the Holy Spirit and this, this whole thing of the Antioch Church, all of this is going on. And so... All this is happening. And so we have that. So what, it, what does it mean for pork? It means it's not unclean. Right? For the Christian, it's not an unclean thing. This, I love pork chops. Yeah. Um, but this also, yeah, this also goes into one of the things that the, the Holy Spirit's moving the church passed the the ceremonial and the um, the civil laws of the Old Testament. Mickey, the the Gentiles, so the pork was common, that kind of stuff that was unedible. The Gentiles, you know, they you you the Jews weren't really to have anything to do with right. them. Now he's saying, okay, you can eat this. They're not. It's not con. You know, it's not a common food. It's an acceptable food. Therefore, the Gentiles now are acceptable in my sight. They are part of my body. Right. And so this is the expanding of... So when we start seeing in places like Isaiah and Ezekiel, of the expanding of God's covenant or God's work to all people, this is one of those moments that it becomes real. That we're, and we actually see this in the book of Acts. The first part of the book of Acts really focuses on the Jews. And the second book of part of Acts, it focuses more on the Gentiles. And it all goes back to that first chapter where Jesus says, you'll be my, uh, my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? And so th we actually see that in the book of Acts. And Rome at the end represents the ends of the earth because that's where everything can go out. So this idea is really being brought through. So this this moment is really pivotal within the um, the writing camp. In that moment, there's this collision where he says this incongruent, "No, Lord, mm. those don't go together." Right. You know, you're saying you're not my Lord, Lord. You know, like it's not. I had a high school kid for fun said, "Make me, sir." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just this. It doesn't. That's the collision, mm -hmm. right? And and another thing, notice how many times has this happened? Three times. Yeah, three. Yeah. Yeah. So something with three. Peter and three. Yeah. So it's just an interesting little thing. So that's where we can, as Christians, when someone says, "Well, you're not supposed to eat pork," yeah. Acts ten. This is where this is why we can't, and this is Peter. Right. This isn't. See, one of the things that you'll notice with um, Muslims and even with some Christians will do this. 
Paul, especially progressive Christians, Paul gets cut out. Yeah, so anything with Paul, because Paul, for progressive Christians, misogynist and all these other <laughs> terms, uh, for Muslims, they believe that he changed the gospel. Okay, so they actually cut out Paul when it doesn't suit them. Okay? So what's really important about this is, it's Peter. Peter's the one that's having this experience, not Paul. And so Peter's the one that's sharing this. So that's so why again are they cutting Paul out? So for the Muslims, it's because it's grace because of passages like um, it's not of your own works but by grace that you are saved. Right? It's it's, it's that terminology that Muslims don't like. Because Muslim um, Islam is a works based religion. So they don't like, they don't like Paul. Okay. For progressives it's things like um, uh, like in Timothy where he says uh, I want to let women have authority over men, or the head coverings in First Corinthians. They don't like that stuff, and so he's misogynist, and so we just cut him out. So Jesus is all inclusive. That's the idea. Yeah. And but Paul isn't. So we, and he does things about like homosexuality, so we just cut him out. Um, well, and then Paul Paul didn't really think it was men should get married. He didn't think that that was well, a yeah. necessity. Well, you, so. you know what's really interesting about that? So, um, I just had a guy email me a really long thing. I didn't read the whole thing because it was just way too long. Yeah. Um, and in it, he says that God never said that men, or that men should not get married. And the reality is, God never says that. Paul just says, I think it would be better. Right. Yeah. So that was his personal. Yeah, that was his opinion. Is that where the Catholics get the yeah that the priests don't get married just because yeah. Paul said that? Yeah. and and there's some truth in that because if you don't have any responsibilities at home, you can do more. Yeah, right. exactly. That's what I mean, Paul was talking. I mean, about. that's right. what that's Paul what was getting at yeah. was that that if you don't, I mean, even for women, if we didn't have husbands or children. We could dedicate more time to the work of the kingdom in the right. church, and it is true. Yeah. But that's not that's you know, yeah right, and that's Paul. But that that's one of those things where Paul gives his opinion. Yes, um, which isn't bad. Paul's saying here's something right, and he'll say things like this isn't from the Lord, but here's something that's a good idea. Wasn't basically. Paul part of the Sanhedrin? I mean, the ruling class actually before he converted. That's what um, some people will. And don't Same. they have to be married to be, even though well, that, that was, yeah. And so Paul's life is really like there's a lot of argument about Paul. Yeah. Like he was married beforehand, and his wife died. He's still married, and she's the thorn in the side. You know that whole oh, wow. joke. Um, and because her name's Rose. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, so there's a joke that Paul, like his name, her name's Rose. And that's why he uses the thorn in the side. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's just a joke. Um, if, you, if you want to take this to the end, though, if, if men shouldn't get married and women shouldn't get married, human race ceases. Right. Yeah. And and that's that's not a biblical thing, right? Like, so it's more of Paul saying, "Hey, we want to, if you want to get this out faster, don't get married." Yeah. yeah. Well, so, Paul made it clear that it was his opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. he does. Yeah. He he says this isn't this isn't a command from the Lord. This is 
Like basically, we would say a suggestion. You said it not yeah. being it being unmarried causes you to sin. Yeah, get married. Get married. Yeah, he actually says it in the same yeah. passage. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So it's not. So that's just one of those things. But Paul does that a couple times in the. In we the used scriptures. we had a minister that his name was Don, and whenever he wanted to give his opinion, he would say, "This is the gospel according to Don." Not right. John or any of the others. This is what I say. Right. According to Don. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's not that's not bad. No. You know, no. As long as we can make sure. Yeah, and this he is was very, very, very clear when it was his opinion. Right. All right. So, how about alcohol? This is something um, even Christians struggle with. So, I, I don't crucify me on this. Right. So Jesus drank wine. Now people will say it's not <laughs> alcoholic wine. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. He says fermented. Yeah. Okay. That means it's alcoholic. Now, how alcoholic is it? Well, it's enough to get drunk, mm -hmm. right? Because that's in those passages we saw. It was about drunkenness. Losing right? control. Yeah. So he did drink wine. It okay. was safer than most water sources. Right. It really was. <laughs> That's why beer was invented, right? That's why I told Timothy to drink it. Yeah. So, okay, so this is Luke 7. It says, For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon, the son of man, there's that title again, mm -hmm. um, has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Okay? So Jesus drank, and he admits it. Okay? Now, he didn't get drunk. This is, this is the where the... The rubbish, right? Is the, the drunkenness. But he's just saying, he's pointing out, John didn't do those things, I do those things, and yet, no matter which way you come at it, we're both bad. Because it has nothing to do with that. It's about the heart of the other person not wanting to follow God. So that's what he's getting at there. But so that's a that's a big thing. And then um, I think someone brought this one up. Um, Paul writes to Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your uh, frequent uh, and your frequent elements. And so this idea of drinking wa uh, wine, actual alcoholic wine, is not condemned in the Bible, but rather um, what or we should do. Uh, so teacher, which is a great what? Use it for medical. Did I, did I jump? No. Yeah, so that's what Paul's saying. Use it for medical. Medical or yeah. 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 And we actually see this today, right? People, today the glass of red wine is actually good for you. Right. One per day. Yeah. 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 And and so so this passage, I throw this in here. Uh, Jesus is asked, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all along the prophets. So going back to this, like pork and circumcision and alcohol. Um, so like for me, um, I, I always joke, and I, I've shared the joke with you guys about the teens asking me when I was their youth pastor, when, have, do you ever drink? And I say just on Fridays. Because that's the day I'm with the teens. Now, I don't do that, but I'm not opposed to drinking because the Bible's not. And I would rather be biblical. What we need to be opposed to is drunkenness, right? And also, one of the things like, why do we use grape juice in our service? Is because there are a lot of people that struggle with alcoholism. Alcohol. 
And so that's why grape juice was, that's one of the reasons why it was invented. <laughs> Isn't that just part of the gift that you have this substance that has mood enhancing substances to it? And if you've been out, you know, reaping wheat, all day and go in and have a beer mm -hmm. and it's well isn't that a gift from god it's not like it was prescribed you know i'm just going to drink a beer isn't yeah. that part of the gift well and that and it comes down to individuals yes oh right? yeah of course of course and that's i always say this is a first corinthians issue where at, for my faith if it doesn't make me fall into sin then it's fine but at the same time I would I would never go out with people and drink because I'm a pastor, right? Because and you could cause somebody to because I could at, in my position I could easily call someone uh, cause someone to sin, um, and so I don't do that. But I'm not averse to it. In fact, one of my favorite wines is the Moscato. Uh, it's a dessert wine, um, and so yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I won't ever go out and drink because of my position, um, and that's where this is. That's what we're, why we're bringing this in. So if let's say I have a brother or sister that um, I know they don't eat pork, am I going to make? If I'm going to invite them over and make pork chops, no, no, because that would be a stumbling block to them, right? And you're and, not showing love to your fellow brother. Yeah, and I'm not showing them love. It's the same way with someone struggling with alcohol. Mm -hmm. You may feel okay having a glass of wine, but you're certainly not going to serve have that there. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, and that's why that's. I mean, plus I don't really care for red wine, so we wouldn't have it anyways. Because it means, anyways. <laughs> um, but that's one of the reasons why we do do grape juice is because that's another thing in a big group, right? Okay, no, we if we don't know. We're safe. Yeah, we're safe. We're going to do this. We don't have a problem. Now, if I was in a group and I knew they were all wine drinkers, they weren't drunkards, but I knew they were all wine drinkers, and they wanted to hold communion with wine. That's fine. I wouldn't. I wouldn't care. Like personally, I probably wouldn't drink it just because I don't like red wine. But for them, I don't care. I mean, because well, we could give you white wine with food color. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I actually don't like white wine either. I just like the Moscow. I I was curious. He in this guy's little tantrum yeah. here. Um, he quotes for the alcohol part. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. And it states, it doesn't say do not drink, it says do not get drunk. Yeah. Right, yeah, wine, yeah. Which leads to debuckery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so I just, you know, oh, you did have it up there, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I just thought that was interesting how he's. He's stating something that isn't really stated. Right. Yeah, he uses, and that's another thing. He uses scripture. He just references it. He says this one, and it must prove my point, right? Yeah, I, um, I, 
do is it psychological when you're saying that other guy that throws up all, all this scripture that has nothing to do with what he's talking about and, and this guy, I mean, they just throw out scriptures. So does that psychologically make the listener think, oh, they're intelligent, they know what they're talking about because they're throwing out all this scripture? Is it psychological passage? Well, so I was just, I read it um, just briefly through an article that talked about um, when we answer things quickly, we're more believable to the listener. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe that. No. Because you seem to know what you're talking about. So when you can just rattle off verses, it doesn't matter if they're actually true, the hearer will go, oh, wow, look at the, look at the immense. Yeah. And we're lazy. It's like, he's yeah. done the work for me. Right. You know, like, and oh, he read all these scriptures. You and know, it's like, harder when someone's talking, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't put them down. And, this if is, you're, and if you're viewed as an authority, Right. Yeah. 90% yeah. of the people will just automatically accept whatever you say. Right. You're going to be a bold-faced slot. So if you're in a position of authority, you'll believe it. Right. This is actually why I always put down all of my references in the sermon. Mm-hmm. Is so that you can go back and actually, you know, say I go fast. But sometimes I just go really fast. Um, so that you can go back and actually read through them exactly. yourself. Like the Bereans do. Yeah, exactly. Search the scriptures. Right. And so and it's harder when people don't allow that to happen, right? They don't put it down. That's why as we're going back, we're actually going back through the ones he brings up. Because, yeah, when people hear it and they're just overwhelmed with, yeah. oh, my goodness, that's you five, six so scriptures there. Yeah, that must well, be right. When he quotes just enough, like, for God so loved the world, you know, things like that, that, that well, he, yeah, he's right on. Yeah, he, he must know because he, he must quote. know because, and, and to make him sound believable. Right. And this is what we need to be wary of any speaker, pastors, you know, anything. If, if someone's just rattling off verses, we'll slow down. Like, let me write down the verses so I, can, so I can go back and look. And this is one of the beauties of having this, the scriptures with us, you know, um, that we can actually do that. We can actually open the scriptures together. And so, yeah. Well, they let the verse on there where Jesus quit drinking. What? He needs to whip the verse on there where quit Jesus quit his drinking. Yeah, right. I tell you, I will not drink again this fruit of the wine until that day when I drink it new with my with you in my Father's kingdom. Right. Yeah, so that's the thing. So he's not actually doing biblical exegesis here, right? He's just using whatever he, to prove his point, right? Because you just have to go through the actual verses and find, and we can see, like, what you just did, right? Just, here's actually a verse where it says Jesus is going to drink wine, you know? And it says that he's quit drinking, and he's going to drink again. And it's only a, you know, the purpose of that whole talk is to make them appear correct. Mm -hmm. Christians are wrong in what they're doing because they don't follow all they're told to follow. Right. So that's what he's actually trying to get across, Mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to show Muslims are better Christians. Yeah, Yeah, because we follow this strict law and rule. Right. Makes us better in God's Allah's eyes. 
Here's another one. Um, this this just goes back into the loving the neighbor that we we talked about in Matthew, and we're doing that because as Christians, the law of love is actually what we're under now. Right? We're not under the law of of law, um, but we're under the law of love, meaning that when where I can give, I need to give. Right? As long as it's not the gospel, right? As um, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, as long as it's not the gospel, there's things I can give, right? It's um, so here's something. Personally, I don't care what people wear when they come to church, right? I mean, so this is me. I don't care. Come in flip flops and um, you know, cut off jeans and uh, a you know they call them wife beater shirts. Um, you know. <laughs> You know, they're eight, whatever they're called, eight, muscle shirts, yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't care. Um, but from when I'm the pastor, I wear business um, casual. You know, so I wear jeans, but they're nice. Um, I wear um, my black dress shoes, and I wear a button-up shirt. And in August, it kills you. And it does. <laughs> I would love to just wear shorts, flip-flops, and a t-shirt. But I don't do that. And the reason is because that's it might cause someone to stumble if they see me in flip-flops and shorts. right? And I actually went to a church one time, and I don't care, right? I went to a church one time, and the pastor was, or was, wasn't the, the, the head pastor, the lead pastor, but it was one of the associate pastors. And he was in flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt. I'm like, we're a ball cap. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, you shouldn't wear that. Like, because it just, it's it's not professional for everyone, right? So find, I, I always say find the middle ground with that, you know. Um, it shows you care about the person who could still. Yeah. Well, and it has, I mean, and that comes from our society, from, you know, what we're here in, in this society. Now, if you were in your beloved Hawaiian islands, right, and that's actually uh, where this guy it's, was. It's, it's yeah. totally different, though. It is acceptable, right? So, in, in different societies, different it's a, cultures, it's it's right. the culture and, and you know what what's accepted and what's not, right? Um, and, I, when, and when I speak at other churches, I ask them, "What should I wear? What do you wear on a Sunday?" I ask the pastor, and then I dress accordingly, you know, so that mm -hmm. I don't. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the church I grew up in, we had one young pastor who came in very much more casual. And oh my land, did your mama. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a verse in, in Corinthians, right? They're not that says that we need to be aware of what right. our actions are so that we don't cause someone else to right. stumble. Right. And so, you know, I mean, it, it was his first pastor that he was, I mean, he was young, he was in his 20s. Mm -hmm. And we had had all these others, and they, they were in suit and tie and blah, 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 you know. And, but that was. You know, that's back in the 70s right. and 80s, and, you know, that that was the predominant dress for most churches. Right. And uh, this poor young man, he <clears throat> straightened out. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, it's, 
that is. It's the change in culture. Mm -hmm. um, the church that Bill and I were attending in uh, Palestine, Texas, it was a, it was a big church. Um, typical Baptist, I mean, good sermons, really good mm -hmm. sermons, but, um, you know, I mean, they were definitely in the suits and ties. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how Mother would have felt about the orchestra and the trumpets <laughs> and stuff, but the rest of it, you know. Right. But I mean, yeah. we, we've been kind of like this, and Bill and I worked for a number of years helping to build churches in Texas, and every church was a little different, and so it was kind of, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, different. But anyway, it, it's very, I mean, I remember the, the being offended or, you mm -hmm. know, people being offended because of the pastor's dress or... Right. I got, when I first got out of the house, was not in school and on my own, I just saw the closest Christian church and went there and they caught me at the door and invited me to attend another church. <laughs> it was like well, real set. Oh yeah, you know, like the Pentecostal church that I grew up in in the 50s and early 60s, if you did not dress appropriately, you were asked to leave and come back dressed appropriately. Oh wow, that's yeah. so different than the Pentecostal I grew up in. We went in there in our bare, we, the girls of course wore dresses because all girls wore dresses to school and whatever, but shoes, the only one that had shoes on was the preacher and his wife well, and my mother. How different things are. And that was in the 50s, different churches. Yeah, yeah it really is. It's the, it's the culture of a church mm -hmm. uh, is a huge part of it. <coughs> yeah. And so when we, um, when we would attend different churches when Oreg and I were in school, um, we would you know, some churches were very much suit and tie, and we always dressed nice, you know, especially to a new church. Right. Uh, we, I dress in slacks usually and a, a polo shirt, um, and sometimes I felt even then I was overdressed um, at some churches, and then, you know, but it really is. And it, it goes back to being open to, okay, does my dress really matter to me? You know, what is my, what is God put into me that is my standard that he wants me to dress? Okay, so if I can, this is how I'm gonna dress, right? But if I'm in a situation, I can dress however. And from a practical point of view, sometimes we have to work. Sometimes we have to work right up until the time we have to leave. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you had to stop and change clothes, you probably wouldn't be able to come and Right. Come to the apologetics class because you just got off of doing something else you had to do. Right. Because yeah. then I wouldn't have been able to bid you. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't have time to go home and change clothes. I barely made it here. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of days like that for a lot of working yeah. people. It really is. And now we have a way that we can come and worship and learn the word that we might not have been able to do. Right. Because a suit and tie was going to stand in the way of Jesus. What sense did it ever make? Well, Think about it, folks. So and, and Did Jesus really care if you were wearing a suit? Yeah. Right. Huh? Think about it. Yeah. And really, you know, one of the great things, so every, every movement, every, like, when the Reformation happened, a lot of great things happened. Though. Some bad things, too, came out of the Reformation. And so one of the good things out of the, the Jesus People movement from the 60s was 
a relaxing of a tire because we started realizing a tire, you know, didn't make you a Christian. But at the same time, it, it all goes back to what can I do to help my fellow, fellow brother and sister, you know. And it's, it's that acceptance. Yeah. It's, it's the acceptance from the congregation. It's the acceptance from the pastor, you know, of, you know, some people don't have a whole lot to, to wear in. Right. You know, uh, I grew up in a church where, well, grew up, we attended as a child. Uh, a Methodist church. The women had to have hats and the girls had to have stockings. Mm -hmm. Well, we had several girls and the stockings weren't going around that far. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I mean, but at, we, we, a lot of time were not, quote, properly dressed as far as this church was concerned. Mm -hmm. And um, as a child, I didn't feel it that much. My mom did. Oh, yeah. You know. and, and so it, it's a hard line to walk mm -hmm. sometimes and, 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 then, and, and then making each, so you sit down and somebody's sitting in a suit and tie, make them feel welcome. The next guy, you know, he's lucky to have clothes on and shoes on his feet if he does, you know. Right. Make them feel welcome. Mm -hmm. Christ he went to quote the sinners. He wasn't with all the Pharisees. Right. Yeah. You said how about moves, you know, moves of the Spirit and Jesus people on. Does the Lord change in in that? Does there is there like when the Spirit of the Lord comes in and changes big thing when there's big movements, when there's a you know, what you call a revival or whatever, does the Lord usher that in? Well, I think so. I think it's more of a stripped down type of thing. I think that's what happened with the Reformed Church, with the Reformation. Yeah. Is that if you actually go back and start reading like all the different theologians, yeah, you get the, the Mary stuff and you get the Eucharistic stuff, and, but they're still pretty good, right? Up until about 100 years, 100 to 200 years before Martin Luther. And there's actually someone that precedes Martin Luther. He's the same, everything the same. It's just Martin Luther, because of the printing press, was able to, to really break through. So God was always, if you follow the history of the Catholic Church, God was always doing many reformations throughout the whole thing. It's just because of, the, really, the printing press that it exploded. Um, and you're talking about the Renaissance at the same time, you know, roughly the same time, and all this happening. And so I think it's, God's always trying to strip down the church to a, to be a fast, mobile work rather than an institution where it just... See, that was like Jesus showing up right when Rome took over and there were roads that went everywhere. Yeah. Where it those wasn't, wasn't a coincidence. Right. right. Yeah. No there coincidence. was a common language. Right. Or, that you know, could get the message out. Just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think it's always a, a movement of God, and it's more of us going, okay, what do we really need? Yep. You know, it's, it's like if if you ever think about doing um, like survivalist stuff, you know, you always ask the question, what do I actually need? Oh, yes. Right. It's it's never why well, what these are the things I I want. These are the things I need. Yeah. You know, and so if you have what they call a bug out bag. 
you know, or get home bag or something like that. You only put in those things what you can carry and what you're going to need on that road. You and need to survive. Right. Yeah. And I think as uh, what God does is he strips his people down to, okay, this is what you need. The rest of it's peripheral stuff. You know, it's like we always talk about in the church how there's, you know, we, there's a lot of needs of keeping, maintaining the building and all that. But those are peripheral needs. What is needed is actually the gospel to get out. And that's that's a, what we need to do. And so I think it's the same thing. I think it's more of God saying, okay, people, do you need this? I'd like to proclaim, at the time I was caught and invited to go to another church, I was not offended in the least. Yeah. I took it as from the Lord. There's another church I need to go to. Right. And I went to the next one I went to. That's where I met my wife. That's where I raised my family. There that's you where, go. Yeah. You know, it was. And I didn't realize until that church closed, like 20 years later, that well, that was kind of offensive. Yeah. Like, I, anyway. Yeah. All right. What happened? <laughs> it went to sleep. It was so tired. Alright, so this is just going to, so this is Romans. I'm just going to read it real fast and then we'll move on to the next thing. Um, oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in the sentence, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becoming, becomingly as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness. And there's that drunken, drunkenness, right? It's not the drinking, but the drunkenness. And the debauchery and lusciousness, oh my goodness, um, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So it's this, you know, we, we need to be walking holy lives at the same time. What, you know, what can we do and what do we not need to do for a religious system? All right, so um, let's talk about this. So this is um, the, the Quran actually affirms the Bible. So this is why we can use the Bible in talking with Muslims is because the Quran actually affirms it. And you can see that he cherry picks, right? So what we can do is, if we're talking to a Muslim, they say, well, you, you, you Christians aren't supposed to drink alcohol, but you do. And isn't it saying in Ephesians that you're not supposed to? Say, so, well, let's open up the Bible and let's see. That's how simple it is. Because you guys confirm the Bible. You guys affirm the Bible. The, the Quran affirms the Bible. So here are a couple of Quranic verses. They're called surahs. Okay? Um, so their chapters are called surahs. Um, so it's surah 7, 157, surah 5, 46. Um, those who follow the messenger, okay, i.e. Allah, the unlettered prophet whom they find written in what they have of the Torah and the gospel. Okay? So this is, so it's saying that, so it's saying the prophet Muhammad is in the Gospels and the Torah, okay? Mm -hmm. What that says is then that the Gospels and the Torah are, are okay. Yeah. They're affirming that they are okay, right? Now, now the Sahai International, that's just a version of the Quran, okay? So this is an online version. Um, 
Another Surah 546. And we sent following in their footsteps. Um, so this is Allah. Um, Jesus, the son of Mary, confirming that which came before him in the Torah. Okay, so confirmation of the Torah being good. Um, so the books of Moses. And we give him the gospel in which was guidance and light and confirming that which preceded it of the Torah as guidance and instruction from righteousness. Okay, so you got that. Here's a, here's a couple more. Um, that's supposed to be a colon, not an L. Uh, so Sir 547, and let the people of the gospel judge by that but by what Allah has revealed therein. Okay, so it's telling Christians, judge by the gospel, Muhammad's words. Okay, um, and whoever does not judge by what Allah has revealed, then it, then it is those who are the defiantly disobedient. What's really interesting there is if you ever talk to a Muslim and they say, well, this is what the Quran says. You can say, well, as a Christian, your Quran tells me I have to judge by the gospel, not by the Quran. Yeah. So, yeah. We have an, I have another, dis, I interpret the word gospel mm -hmm. to be the first four books of the New Testament. Right. And their definition of the gospel is it the entire Bible? At this time, it's the entire Bible when the Quran's written. Now they would Muslims would say it's not the Pauline epistles. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was. So they shortened say. the Quran, which right. was given them to start with. So well, they're, they're shortening the the gospel. It's their their definition yeah. of their, their definitions have changed. Oh, yeah. So when it's talking about the gospel here, it's talking about the New Testament. Because it's actually talking about the gospel of Jesus and the, the apostles. That's what they're talking about. Um, but modern Muslims will cut out Paul's letters. It's just completely. So, so like that's what he, they're saying, the four gospels. Okay, so because when he was quoting Ephesians earlier... That's not part of the that's gospel in not my definition. Considered, then it wouldn't be considered because that's for right. Paul. Right. The, the, you know. And this is one of those things where he uses verses even though he denounces yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those like okay. contradictory well, things. It just kind of helps me understand where they're coming from. He contradicts his own beliefs. Right. Well, and when they're talking about the Torah, they're actually talking about the Old Testament. Okay. But because the Torah is actually the, the Books of the law. Yeah, it's yeah. the first five, uh, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's that's also primarily it, the Torah is the law, um, so it's the law of Moses. The Pentateuch is the first five first books five. of the oh, okay. yeah. So that's that's just a little difference. But usually, when people talk about the Torah, they're talking about the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. So yeah, but technically, the Torah is the law, and the Pentateuch is the first five books. And it means the five. Anyways. Um, yeah, so, but in this time period, the Torah was just referring to the Old Testament. Yeah. And the Gospel would be for referring to the New Testament. Yeah. In today's thing, it's not. They, okay. There's semantics that they play. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Talk about confusing. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and this is where, like, people get really hung up on things and it's like okay we gotta push past these things okay you know 
So, um, another surah, a little further, of a couple of verses later. Say, O people of the scripture, you are standing on nothing until you uphold the law of the Torah. Um, so those brackets are just additions, okay, from this particular translation. So they're, so see how they said the law of the Torah? So that's, so they're interpreting it, just the law, not the prophets and the wisdom literature. Who is, um, who is your Lord? Who is that? It's Allah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the Torah, the Gospel, has been revealed to you from your Lord. Okay. So the Muslims are saying it's Allah. Okay. So they're saying Christians, because they, because Muslims believe that Allah is the same God of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and Jesus isn't a God. He, okay. he is, he's just a prophet. And so they believe that it's the same for them, so okay. Allah is the same Lord. Okay. So they're saying your Lord, but there's it, and that's something some people kind of get um, uh, hung up on with, like when Christians do. Like as I've said to people, to Christians, I'd be like, follow your God, and they would go, well, he's not your God. It's like that's no, that's <laughs> biblical language I'm using. Like Moses says it to people, your God. You know, emphasizing, fault, do what if you are believer, do what your God tells you to. I will do what my God tells me. It's the same God, but what I'm emphasizing here is your relationship. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's just what they're using. It's a, it's a common um, phraseology. Um, so here's some, so this is, oops, this is something important, and this is actually the end of this section. Um, they, they'll say things like, Paul needs to be cut out, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's modern Muslim apologetics. Okay? But one of the things we have to realize is we actually have a complete Old and New Testament Christian Bible from the third, from the 300s. Okay, so from the 4th century, the 300s. We have a complete Old and New Testament prior to the 5th century. Okay? or prior to the 7th century when uh, Islam is supposed to have started. Mm -hmm. So Islam is supposed to start around 630. Um, yeah, it's around 630. Um, and so you have a whole complete God, a whole complete Bible 300 years prior to that. So Muslims will say, well, the Bible has changed. Well, the Bible is, our Bible today, is the same Bible, complete Bible, as it was in the 4th century, in the 300s. That means 300 years before Muhammad, there was a complete Bible that the Christians followed. And that is still the same today. That includes all of Paul's letters, includes all the other apostle letters, that includes the Gospels, the, the um, Acts, uh, Revelation, all that and all the Old Testament books. So the 66 books that Protestants accept as canon are all in this, okay, as a complete Bible. Is that the most ancient copies? Uh, the full, full text. Okay. Okay. So the ancient manuscripts um, come from the second century. There's, okay, there's other. Yeah, okay. yeah. So there's earlier so the manuscripts. Okay. Yeah, th but what this is, is just a complete volume. I believe yeah. all of them. Yeah, so that's so that's the big thing. Now it's all written in Greek, okay. So 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so it's called the Codex Syntacticus, um, but it is the oldest complete scripture that it is. And so that's one of the things. So you know how we talk about translations, modern translations? Um, so the writers of the King James did not have this. Okay, and earlier, they, what they had was, a, um, it's like the, con I forget what the actual terminology is, but it was um, later manuscripts. Was it the Apocrypha? No, the Apocrypha is things like um, Enoch and Ez the first and second address, and um, yeah, the first and second Maccabees. Uh, those are just, those were, um, yeah, they're historical Jewish writings that even the Jews didn't consider, um, uh, yeah, inspired by God. Um, but, and even Jerome, who translates um, the Latin, the Vulgate Bible, um, he rejected it as well. Um, but he included it because that's what the church wanted. Were the Dead Sea Scrolls, weren't they? They weren't, they, so they were hidden at this point. Um, and those weren't actually, those weren't dug up until what, the 70s? Right. Um, but the uh, Qumran, that group, um, would be like first, second century. Insane. Yeah, but they, yeah, they would have been already gone by this time, so, by the fourth century. So, we were in Israel a few years ago and we went went to the, I forgot the name of it, it's where they had the Dead Sea Scrolls mm -hmm. and they had the whole chapter book of Isaiah yeah. complete mm -hmm. except for a little piece, the same, same scriptures we have today, no yeah. difference. And what's one of the great, and it is, it's, that's probably the one of the Greatest archaeological finds of, yeah. of yeah. scripture, um, and what makes it so important is that the one of the things people attack Christianity is on is that it has changed. The Bible has changed over the centuries, and so that is one of those pieces that we can point to and say, no, actually, there's an Isaiah, and this is an Isaiah that is separate from the tradition, right? right? And so, and it is the same Isaiah that we have today. So, so that's just one of those things. So this is literally God preserving his word through the centuries. So, um, yeah, when we talk in our basic belief spots, um, basic doctrines, we actually go through this whole thing of preservation. And um, we talked about a little here, I think we talked about just a snippet of it when we talked about Harris and how we have an um, abundance of manuscripts for the New Testament. Uh, it stands that if you were to stack all of them, yeah. it's four empire states tall. And the average for any other document is only about four feet. So that's the difference in documentation yeah, of what we have. And so, yeah. So, um, yeah. So My psychology professor said, have that read by morning. <laughs> yeah. That red morning. Sweet morning. So we love you Um now, okay. So I had skipped this. It's on the the first parts of your um of that packet. Mm -hmm. 
I had says, skipped argument it. Two. Yeah. <laughs> I had skipped that and I jumped into the second video. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I next week we'll go over that. And we'll, so we'll do that one and then we'll jump to the third part um, and do that one the following week. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, so we'll do that because it's only a few pages. Uh, we should be able to get through the whole thing um, in a week, maybe. We'll see. Um, and then we'll jump to the final one and we'll finish off the Muslim thing. And then that'll be the end of the, the thing because that'll push us into. That'll be all of March, um, and we'll we usually stop this after Easter because most of y'all will be gone. So, uh, so we'll stop that. All right, sound good? That's good. So I uh, will pray and then we'll hit on that. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you are good and that you preserve your word and that um, we can trust your word because. It has been preserved through the centuries and we can look back at our forefathers and see how they kept the source by the moving of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, help us to be able to discern through people as they give us a lot of information. Help us to um, have the boldness to ask them to slow down and to be able to go through the scripture with people and, and really see with them what it says. And we ask that when we do that, Lord, that you move by your Holy Spirit to bring conviction uh, to bring insight um, and to be able to point people back to yourself. So Lord, we thank you that you are a good God with a good word um, and it is the most preserved of any other ancient document that just blows my mind. So Lord, I thank you. I ask that you protect everyone here as they go, that you would uh, keep them safe as well. I ask that in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.